The reading today is from the letter of Paul to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Please join me in prayer. God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, my name is Derek Kikuchi, and I'm an ordained Presbyterian elder here at First Presbyterian Church, Palo Alto. And I'm Craig Wiesner, and I'm married to this ordained Presbyterian elder. First Palo Alto, as most of you here know, is a more light church, a church that has committed itself to welcome all into the church's life and leadership, regardless their gender identity or sexual orientation, also striving to do the same out in the world. Craig and I were the first same-sex couple to be married in this sanctuary back in 1990. But that doesn't mean that our church and congregation hasn't had its struggles and questions over what it means to be a welcoming congregation over the years. Not long after Derek and I were married in 1990, we led an adult study to talk about our congregation participating in San Jose's first Gay Pride Festival. During Q&A, Marjorie Brandt said, I don't have any problem with gay and lesbian people, but let me pause there. Usually, Derek and I have found that any comment that starts with, I don't have any problem with, but indicates that there may just be a problem. Anyway, she said, I don't have any problems with gay and lesbian people, but why gay pride? So you're gay or lesbian. What's there to be proud of? I perhaps answered a little too quickly the pre-rehearsed answer that I would give whenever this question would come up. Well, I, I think we're claiming gay pride in contrast to gay shame. Now, it was either because of the speed of my answer or the following sullen glare that came out of my uh, much younger self that she didn't follow up with any more questions. She did, however, in following years, actually support More Light and us personally, even helping to pay for our airfare on our mission trip to El Salvador to honor the life of Stan Grahams. During that time in El Salvador, another dear member of our congregation, Arlene Schaup, carried our more light beliefs in a way that we found kind of unexpected and surprising. One afternoon, we had a conversation with the head of the local directiva and the community's lay medic. Derek had been a volunteer working with people with AIDS. 
And he asked the medic if AIDS was an issue in their community. The medic hesitated. Then she said, no. We don't have people like that here. She added, it's against the church to be that way. She meant gay, and it stung. Arlene Schelp, after an awkward silence, looked at her and said, well, our church doesn't think that way. We love everyone, and we have some wonderful people in our congregation who are gay. Another awkward silence followed, and the head of the directiva said, we do have people like that here, and we've treated them very badly, and I'm ashamed. I didn't know there were churches that thought so differently. They are right. Arlene Schaub had just done something amazing. She disrupted injustice by outing herself in a community that was like a second family to her and telling her truth, even at the risk of being object, uh, rejected. In that moment, knowing how many people had suffered because of prejudice, she boldly proclaimed what her church believed. And is often true whenever we risk disrupting injustice, even in a small way, it causes the world to say, wait, what? And the conversation changes. A few years later, Derek was elected commissioner to General Assembly. I sat in the stands during a floor debate over lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer ordination. The rhetoric from those opposed to inclusion was horrible, and my heart was breaking. An elderly woman sitting next to me clucked her tongue and said, I don't understand why those people just can't keep their private lives private. Why can't they just be quiet? I turned to her and I pointed to where Derek was out on the floor. Do you see that man? I asked her. He's my partner. When he was elected to be commissioner to this general assembly, there were some people who thought he was gay and they were very angry and they started threatening us. We got threatening phone calls, letters. When Derek went to a presbytery meeting, people turned their backs to him. When he went to sit down and have lunch at the presbytery meeting, people got up from the table and walked away. He was very quiet about who he was. Did he deserve what they did to him? Do I? She was quiet for a few moments. And finally she said, no, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Our church voted against you because our pastor told us to. I'll never let that happen again. In that moment, I disrupted injustice. And she stopped and said, wait. What? A year later, she invited the two of us to come speak at her church. But still, the same question from 30 years ago still echoes in my mind every June. Why gay pride? 
As you can see, I'm not just gay, but I'm Asian, particularly Japanese American, and pretty much in alignment with anyone else who shares my upbringing and culture, one must never brag or boast. It's okay for others to extol your achievements, but you must never do so yourself. I'm also Presbyterian with good solid guilt loaded Puritan roots, so pride is one of the deadly sins. Very simply, pride is a no-no. So today's passage from Romans is kind of interesting, isn't it? It talks about boasting. I can boast in my hope of sharing in the glory of God. And more importantly, I can boast in my suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. I can boast about this. Take that guilt-loaded Puritan roots. And I'm here to say to you today, suffering that produces endurance and character and hope and love is all true for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people. That is, if you're lucky. If you're lucky like I am, the bullying you encountered while growing up is survivable. If you're lucky like I am, you find your way beyond self-hatred and self-condemnation coupled with the teachings of a judgmental church. If you're lucky like I am, you survived a terrible time of AIDS and HIV taking away so many people you loved so much. And in your own small way, you were able to give comfort and find comfort and strength in a community of caring people. If you're lucky like I am, you find a church that is loving and welcoming and one that would do just about anything to support, nurture, and protect you. And you find other friends as well who will do the same. If you're lucky like I am, condemnation of a parent for being gay eventually transforms into acceptance and love within your lifetime. If you're lucky like I am, you have meet the love of your life who you have been happily married to for 32 years. And if you feel as lucky as me, you want to tell others who are younger or maybe older, but not yet so lucky that it can and it will get better because you are no longer alone. And that's why Pride Day, Pride Sunday, Pride Month. This month as a county commissioner, I've crisscrossed San Mateo County giving speeches at flag raisings and city council meetings. This year, I have boldly included the role that I believe God has played in bringing us to the point where we've gone beyond, or dare I say over, the rainbow. We now have a progress pride flag that adds white, brown, and black stripes and an arrow pointing forward, echoing the original inspiration behind the More Light movement from a 17th century preacher who said, there is yet more light to shine. Our pastor, Jane, 
suggested our striving for more light using slightly different language when she called Pentecost a revolution of God's spirit. Not a revolution of people, but a revolution of God's spirit. Because Pentecost is, after all, a celebration of God's blessed creation of diversity and God's own pride in that diversity. So here we are, three weeks later in the season of Pentecost, and here we are at another Pride Month with rainbow flags unfurled, joined by a progress pride flag and a transgender flag. And we are joined by new movements as well. Black Lives Matter, the Women's March, Me Too, March for Our Lives, the Poor People's Campaign, and Climate Action, just to name a few. And we've all heard the all too common question about Black Lives Matter asking, why aren't we just saying all lives matter? Or why can't we just as correctly say white lives matter too? This pushes buttons for me because it sounds a lot like that question we were asked 30 years ago about why gay pride. So what's my answer now? Retired Stanford linguist, friend, and member of this congregation, Professor Emeritus John Rickford, answered in this way. Black Lives Matter is not the answer to the question, whose lives matter? It's the answer to the question, do black lives matter? And to that we answer, black lives matter. And I would phrase this question even more strongly. Do black lives even matter? Because in a world where racially motivated violence against people of color is a reality and yet often excused or rationalized, it is legitimate to wonder and ask, do black lives even matter? In a world where anti-Asian slurs, gestures, and assaults are on the rise, it is legitimate to wonder and ask, do Asian lives even matter? In a world where each year 1.8 million LGBTQ young people in the United States seriously consider suicide, one youth every 45 seconds, and states aggressively strip and remove any helpful resources to them with don't say gay legislation, including banning suicide prevention support from the Trevor Project, is it legitimate to wonder and ask, do queer lives even matter? In a world where children's lives seem to take a back seat to fighting against common sense regulation of guns and ammunition, is it legitimate to wonder and ask, do children's lives even matter? And it's for those reasons that those hurt by injustice in the world will respond with anguish and frustration and sometimes even anger. Black lives matter. Asian lives matter. Queer lives matter. Trans lives matter. Our children's lives matter. And yes, your life matters and is most precious to God. And if we don't yell this from the top of every mountain, even the stones themselves would scream this. For us to have, as our scripture today, calls a hope that does not disappoint. 
And we must be willing to be called to compassion, compassio, literally to sit in suffering with someone else, even as Jesus sits in suffering with us. To be compassionate is not passive. It's more than being empathetic, but in fact, moves us from within, calling us to help alleviate our neighbor's suffering. It's not about being a paternal protector, but a friend and a companion. It means that as uncomfortable and scary as it may be, we can be moved to disrupt injustice in order to bend the arc of history towards justice. God needs our feet, our hands, and our voices to do that work. And despite those who will oppose us bending that arc, something amazing and wonderful eventually happens. The endurance and character and hope and love in the sufferer produces an endurance and character and hope in love in all of us as well. And then our renewed commitment and action to join the cries of God's children is worth boasting about this Pride Sunday and every day. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Amen. Amen.